Thanks for tuning into the Sounds of Healing podcast. You will discover a new way of being using the power of sound and vibrations. We'll be having conversations with new thought leaders, sound healers, and mind-body experts. Listen and find the path to your elevated dreams. I am so excited and thrilled to be able to introduce to you our next guest, Paul Avgerinos. He is a Grammy-winning artist, composer, producer, and engineer whose music is broadcast all over the world. Paul is a classically trained composer and multi-instrumentalist who is a graduate of the Peabody Conservatory of Music. He served as principal bassist with the Hong Kong Philharmonic and also performed with many other orchestras. His true calling seems to be as an electronic music composer. His 24 acclaimed solo CDs in the New Age genre include Grace, which won the 2015 Grammy for the Best New Age Album, and his album Bhakti, which earned a 2014 Grammy nomination. Paul always makes time for scoring and licensing, and has worked on over 100 film, TV, and cable projects for HBO, PBS, and Lifetime, and many more. He also had placements in the Super Bowl, World Cup, the Olympics, and countless others. He's been involved in a number of platinum album productions with Aerosmith, Jewel, Run DMC, and Willie Nelson. Paul is a proud voting member of the Grammy Recording Academy, NARIS. His studio, Unicorn, was born in 1985 in Bridgeport, Connecticut, and moved to Reading, Connecticut in 1994. And this is where he currently lives and works, as the deers pass by his studio windows and the hawks and eagles give inspiration from above. Please help me warmly welcome Paul Avgerinos, who the All Music Guide calls one of the giants of ambient music. Thank you, Karen. It's wonderful to be with you today. Oh, I'm really have so many things I want to ask you about. And I'd like to start with how you could share with us ways that we can expand and reinvent ourselves during this time of change. Because in the beginning you were classically trained and you shifted your interest from technical world of the composers that had exactly how things were supposed to be played perfectly to being able to create and share your own music with composing electronic music and producing. And I'm just wondering, if you can help us understand what inspired you to make the change and how did you learn how to do it? Well, when I was uh, about 15, 16, I started to awaken to the truth of music as a spiritual path. I was fascinated with all the virtuosity and all the great music. And I was studying hard and becoming a good musician, but I became aware that music was not just entertainment and wonderful uh, self-development, but it was also a path to peace, a path to wisdom and grace and healing, and a path to awakening to the truths of spirituality. And so at that point, right around there, about 75, music became an integral part of my spiritual path. 
So I was doing yoga and meditating and praying and reading scripture and sacred books and all the things that one does on the spiritual path. But I was also approaching my music as a spiritual practice or sadhana. And that's what I've been doing ever since. And that led naturally to doing this ambient new age music, gentle, sweet, delicate, healing music to try to help other people on their spiritual path towards awakening. Oh, that's so beautiful. And certainly that's what you've been doing and what you do and inspire on every level, including inspiration for other musicians like myself and for everyone listening today. So thank you. I'm wondering, what have you learned from COVID? Have you made changes to your process of how you record and, and do you do your projects? I know you've kept yourself very productive during this time. What, what helped you make a shift? Well, for me, there hasn't been much duress or change because I've been working primarily alone for such a long time. So I'm very much one of the fortunate ones since I don't perform live except for singing in my church. I, I don't do concerts anymore. So for me, it really hasn't been much of, much of a shift in terms of my work. But what I have done spiritually is I, I focused more of my energy on praying for the peace and health and healing of all these poor souls that are suffering from this horrible, dreadful disease, and also praying for societal, political, social healing so that we can work together more effectively to solve the problems that we are encountering. So, Karen, I'm exceedingly blessed because, uh, you know, I've been earning a very good living from royalties from my, my broadcasting work, streaming and all that for many years now. So uh, for me, it's been, and actually I've had an increase in activity because I had three albums out this year. So it's been a, a really banner year. It's been a banner year for releases. And the three new albums are all doing really well. So I'm, I'm very blessed in that area, very blessed. And I'm, I'm looking for ways to give back. So I'm, I'm trying to help some of our colleagues with uh, some information about, you know, some of the business aspects of what we do to help increase their income. Because a lot of our friends and colleagues are suffering because they, they can't play gigs. They can't play concerts. They can't teach in person. So for a lot of our colleagues, it's a very difficult time. I mean, imagine some poor uh, conservatory graduate graduating in the spring of 2020 yeah. into a world of no live music. I mean, I can't imagine when I came out of Peabody how I would have handled that. I, I don't know that I would have been able to handle it because my whole, at that point, my whole life was focused yeah. on, on live performance. I, I was obsessed with it. I mean, that's all I did 24 seven. I, I would have three, four concerts a week at that point in my life. So uh, it's, uh, it's just such a challenging time. So I'm, I'm, you know, I'm just looking for any little way that I can help uh, serve and, and comfort uh, you know, in some small way, whatever I can do to help, I'm doing 
you know, whatever comes into my mind that can, whatever spirit puts in my heart says, Paul, call that person and see if you can help them with this or, or do this or, you know, so that's what we do. We all just do the best we can do to love and serve. Mm, thank you. And thank you for all your sharing here. And you've shared with me it. It's really beautiful. It's also amazing to me about how you can shift so seamlessly wearing the three hats of being the performer, the engineer and the business person and promoting. It's just such a rare gift to have the left and right brain balanced. And I remember when I had the great joy of being in your studio and feeling the inspiration, the big windows looking out at the woods. And one thing that amazed me was your setup you you had on the your chair swiveled it turned around and you'd, you'd be playing on this side then you just turn your chair around and you just produce it over there on the board and i'm like whoa and you just you can just do it all is that something you had to develop it's natural or it's just amazing oh thanks so much karen uh, yes i'm very blessed in that way i had a wonderful mother and father who made it clear to me that there's no reason why you cannot develop both sides of your brain. It's not mutually exclusive. <laughs> it's not like if you develop one, the other one won't work anymore. It actually, the more you develop both of them, the better they work together. So that's one thing I love about what I do because, uh, you know, like you said, I spin my chair around and I'm channeling creative. I'm just being a hollow reed, a flute, and inspiration and music just flows through me. I have no idea what I'm doing. I'm just pushing keys and buttons and it just sounds really beautiful. And then I spin around and I put on a different hat, which is, okay, how do we make this sound better? You know, engineering. And But of course, it's, it's interesting that when you really examine it, examine the process, it's, a, it's, a, it's almost like a, a blood... Uh, a blood brain barrier. It's like the energy is flowing back and forth between the two aspects of our being quite seamlessly. And when you really are channeling and, you know, completely actualized, completely awake, you can feel them both working at the same time. And that's really exciting, <laughs> you know, because wow. as you're being creative, another part of your brain is going, yeah, that's really cool, but you know you're going to have to notch out 3K or 1.5 thousand because it's a little edgy right there. Oh, wow. 200 hertz. You know, it's just, but yeah, what, what is it all really? It's just uh, using words to express the ineffable, the uh, miraculous and uh, of course, that's why we do music because words fail. Uh, words cannot uh, capture the the grand, sublime, blissful, yes. blissful perfection of God, <laughs> of the goddess. <laughs> Definitely, yeah. There aren't words. Yeah. That's wow. That's so beautiful. My father, you know, I remember when I was like 10, we were walking under the starlit winter sky and he was holding my hand and we were looking up at the infinite expanse of interstellar space in the Milky Way. And he said, Pablos, Paul, hitch your wagon to the stars, but keep your feet on the ground. <laughs> oh, I like that. That's a good quote. I mean, he, knew, he knew how dreamy I was, you know, and how idealistic and how... Uh, 
obsessed, obsessed with dharma and righteousness and and all the rest of it and mm. and spiritual path but you see you know yeah hitch your wagons to this to the stars yes you can do amazing things as long as you keep your feet on the ground so that's guided me all my life that's so beautiful was he able to see some of your pro projects come to fruition he was he was he uh, he left us about uh, 12 years uh, 13 years ago ah. but you know i mean he didn't see me win the grammy but he saw my career get to the point where he he stopped worrying about me all the uh, time. Okay. You know, you know, the Greek Italian families. You know, like, oh my son, you know, God, yeah. is he gonna be okay? So you know, it's mm. just love. They they worry about us because because they love us. So yeah, I think that was beautiful. We we got to that point where. He's like, well, you know, you actually are making a go with this music thing. <laughs> I said, I said, yeah, I can't believe it either, Dad. <laughs> it's amazing. It's a miracle. Praise God. <laughs> <laughs> and he's still watching you now and applauding. Oh, yeah. That's beautiful. So we have the Sounds of Healing podcast. And one thing about being a musician and involved with sound and the larger aspects of sound, how do you feel that sound has impacted your energy and healing in your life well i've experienced that music truly is the queen of the arts and is the most powerful healing mechanism because it's vibrational in nature and the universe all of existence is vibrational in nature everything is pure energy when you look under the facade of solid matter you find subatomic energy swirling at the speed of light and below that you find sub you find the quantum field which is even more miraculous again moving at the speed of light and interconnected throughout the universe and so music although it's vibrating at a very modest rate compared to the energies we were just talking about even though it's uh, vibrating at a slower speed for us humans to be able to hear it it it's a metaphor, or you could say it mimics the vibrational nature of the universe. So there's a there's an exchange between the vibrations we make in music and the larger vibrational field of existence. And so <clears throat> when we are lost in beautiful music, we are, in essence, merging with the quantum field of existence, which is our true nature, the universal oneness of all existence of this entire universe, which is all interconnected at the quantum level. And so music is the perfect pathway to enter that world and to merge with it, to lose our painful sense of separateness. Oh, my name is Paul and I'm in this body and I'm separate from Karen. No, that's, that's really just a illusionary thought process. Instead, we lose ourselves in the music, and the music lets us enter into oneness with the quantum field of the entire universe. So now, how beautiful is that? Mm -hmm. Wow, that is so beautifully put. Oh, I feel that. It's given freely to everyone. And I always tell people, people say, oh, well, I can't sing. I don't have a nice voice. I say, listen. Yes, it's true, you were not given the gift of a beautiful voice, let's say, compared to this person, but you can sing. 
you can strum a guitar, you can push a key on a piano. It doesn't take much to enter the quantum field of oneness. You can do it with one note, right, Karen? Remember when we were little and we would yeah. play one note on the piano and just over and over again, we just yeah. press that key and we would be lost in magic because it's a doorway to the mystical. It's a doorway to the reality of existence, which is not physical. The reality of existence is energetic. It's vibrational. And so we push that one note on the piano. I remember being like three, four years old, reaching up to push, especially the low notes on the piano. I push it and I just let it ring for like a minute. And I'd mm. stick my head against the wood of the piano and just listen to those vibrations. And where, what was I doing? I was reconnecting with the infinite oneness of the truth of existence, the truth of my own nature. So I encourage everyone, please use this beautiful gift that the goddess has given us. Saraswati has given us this amazing faculty, hands. We have hands, we have mouth, we can push a key in a piano, we can make a beautiful, uh, we can make a sound. Doesn't have to be a beautiful sound according to the world, you know, according to professionals or whatever. But we can make an ohm chant, we can chant an ohm sound, or uh, we can sing along with a song that we love. And all of that is just so good for us and so healing. And it heals the world too, because you're open, you're keeping open those pathways, those connections to universal oneness. So wow. it gets a little esoteric sometimes when you, when you try to put it into words, it, it's a, a little, little delicate, but uh, I do the best I can with the words. That's so beautiful. I, I'm <laughs> getting so inspired. And I love your quote, which is so true of your essence. My life's work is to spread peace, love, joy, healing, tolerance, contentment, and bliss through gentle and kind music and the presence of my being. Wow. Yeah. That's what you do. It's so, so beautiful. I would love for you to share about your creative process, what it looks like. And, and there's parts to this question in my mind. One is your inspiration from nature and your beautiful spiritual devotion and all of your life lessons and your wonders and love that you share about with your daughter, just filled with joy. And it's just amazing all that you spread. And I was just wondering when you have a project coming up, does it just come to you, the theme of it, and then the titles come before or after or all different ways? Or I just would love anything you could share that we could apply in our own lives, how we can be creative. Oh, sure. That's, that's a great question. The creative process has evolved for me quite a bit, especially over the last 10 years. It's become more highly focused and defined. I remember it was about 20 years ago, I was talking with a good dear friend, Brian Keene. He's a fabulous composer and guitarist. Uh, and we grew up together, played in jazz bands in high school and all. So I was talking to Brian, and we're talking about making albums, you know, like, what was the process? Like, where do you start? Where do you, you know, how, how do you go from A to Z? And he said, Paul, before you do anything, before you go in the studio and, and actually begin any musical work, Ask yourself three questions. Who's going to listen to this music? How is it going to serve them? Mm -hmm. uh, what, what, what are they going to be doing when they listen to music? Excuse me, number two. And three, how is it going to and serve then, them? 
once you've answered those three questions, who's going to listen to this music? What are they going to be doing when they're listening to it? And how is it going to serve them? How is it going to help them? Forget about you that you feel this uh, compelling need to make a uh, thrash metal album or whatever it is, you know, just <laughs> define archetypally, define your audience and their needs. How are you going to serve them? How are you going to improve their life with this new work of art? So you can think of it as kind of a macro to micro. You start with the macro, the the big picture, the 30,000 foot view, the elevator pitch, as they say in advertising. In other words, let's say take the latest album, the healing album. Okay, who's going to listen to it? People that need more peace and comfort and healing in their life. And what are they going to be doing when they listen to it? Well, they could be working and have it on quietly. They could be driving. They could be meditating. Some people meditate to music. They could be having a massage or giving a massage or body work. They could be doing gentle yoga. Um, they could be chanting their mantra. And then how is it going to serve them? Well, the music is very subtle and gentle and delicate, and it doesn't draw too much attention to itself, but it helps the listener to relax and to connect with spirit, to enter that oneness, that state of blissful oneness. And then now that we have an archetypal concept, what would I call a style guide? A style guide has now been defined. So now we can go in the studio, we can turn on the machines and we can begin looking for sounds that will be useful in this type of production. And we can begin actual creative process, you know, chord progressions, pads, sound effects, whatever, strikes our fancy, but all along, as we try new things, we vet it against the style guide. Is this sound going to fit in with this style guide? Well, no, it's, it's too abrasive, it's too exciting, it's too stimulating. Let's uh, either modify it or let it go and find something better. So the style guide takes us right through the project from beginning to end because all along we constantly check in with the style guide. It's like um, like a board of directors, you know? We constantly say, hey, look, this is what I've done so far, or uh, what's a good analogy? Um, you know, you check in with the, with the, with the boss and you say, hey, so am, I, am I on track here? Do you like what I'm doing? Do you like my work here? And the boss says, yeah, yeah, this is good. This is this what we're trying to achieve here. That's good. Or you get a little tip like, well, that's good, but be careful over there. You're getting a little too far off the style guide. Real world example on the Healing album, one of the tracks that I actually finished is not on the album because it became apparent through the process that it wasn't adding anything to the album. And it was actually detracting because it was a little sad. It was kind of just a little too melancholy and it kind of, it took the vibration down. So I just cut the piece, just mm -hmm. boom. No attachment. I just looked at it dispassionately as a producer and said, yeah, I could see using that piece in some other place, but it's not adding anything to this album. So delete it. We've already got 73 minutes. That's plenty. Let it go. Um, and then the other pieces, of course, they get modified. Like the second piece, Cellular Language, 
it's very bright. It's just like overwhelming high frequencies and too much energy. So I completely toned it down. You know, if you heard like the first version, the 12th version, the mm. 20th version, the final version, you'd be like, whoa, that's a lot of change there. You know, if you heard, mm. especially if you heard the very first and then the very last was on the album, you'd be like, mm. oh, wow, that's been a lot of changes. But what happens is, Karen, you have to do it in stages because it's, it's like painting, you know, it's, it's details. And as the details change, it affects other details and it's, it's interactive. So, you know, it's not like you just start out and then you go boom, to the final thing. No, no, it's, it's a process. And however many revisions it takes, you stay faithful to the process. If it takes 20 revisions, you do 20 revisions because uh, it, it, it's kind of like uh, waiting for mud to settle. You know, as you clear up this part of the mix or the production, then you realize, oh, this part needs work now. I didn't even realize that before, <laughs> but now I can hear that this is out of whack with this. And so that's, that's the rational part, you know? So I'm sitting listening to the mixes and I got a paper and it's old school. I just write down a list, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. Watch out at three minutes and 22 seconds. There's too much high frequency energy for like four bars. You got to do something about that. Um, there's too much bass here. There's not enough bass there. Um, this sound is annoying, whatever, you know, do this, do that, try this, try that. It's just very uh, workmanlike you know, just a faithful uh, workman, you know, and that's, um, that's like 90% of making a great album is just the, the, the actual work, you know, you just got to show up and do the work. And a lot of people give up before it's actually done. Right. Yeah. yeah. So I, I mean, I have set the bar pretty high for myself. But, you know, basically what it is, is I want to be able to put on the piece and I wanted to go all the way through without any moment disturbing me, mm. you know, like nothing jumps out at me and goes, oh, listen to me, listen to me, you know, oh, listen to my note, you know, it's like, no, 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 no. It's just a beautiful flow, peaceful and serene. Mm -hmm. And I stay, as I listen to it, I stay blissful and serene as the entire piece plays. And then when I can listen to the whole thing without any disturbances, then I say, okay, it's done enough. In other words, mm. you know, you could, you could overdo it. Right. You could make, you could make 20, you could make a thousand different versions that don't disturb me in the flow, right. but I don't need a thousand. I need one <laughs> to share with the world. Right. Of course, you know, I want to get on to the next project. I did three albums this year. So, you know, I'm not gonna, I just gotten more efficient at it. You know, it's just like, I know what needs to be done. And that's a, that's what I also tell my, my younger uh, producers and engineers and artists, I say, make sure you get done what needs to be done, the big elements. You know, for instance, if it's a kind of a popular style, the vocal has to be amazing. The drums and bass has to be perfect. It, the mix has to be solid. Now, once you get those things done, you're in the 90th percentile. Mm -hmm. And you can fuss around with the little details to suit your fancy, but make sure you get the big things done. This is this is um, this is where a lot of artists fall short because they spend too much time fussing on details, but they haven't actually gotten the 
<laughs> the, the boilerplate stuff correct yet. <laughs> right. Yeah, yeah. So, but again, that's that, the, you know, that's the way my father brought me up to make sure you take care of the important things in order of importance, you know, wow. uh, and that, yeah, from that's the big, so from the big. Exciting. It brings so many things to my mind. And one, working from what you just mentioned is that balance. I've found that when you're doing a project like that, you do have the bar really high and you you have as much patience as it needs. Cause every time, if you hear something, you fix what you hear, but then the day comes, you know, it's done. You, you know, that's what you're able to contribute right now. And, and just that ability, you know, there's going to be another project. So you're able to put it together. And, and I think that's a real yeah. gift. And part of it too, is in terms of your larger growth as an artist over a career, you know, 30, 40 years or whatever, you trust in the fact that over time you will expand and improve as an artist and a producer and an engineer and you don't try to do it all on one project you know you right you, you, yeah you don't try to achieve any kind of perfection you just uh, say well this this is a nice incremental step in in a career you know one of the last uh, steps i do is very technical and kind of painful is i listen to the recording with really bright sony headphones and the whole purpose of that is just to detect little clicks and pops and noises that you can't hear on regular speakers. Mm. But of course, the horrible thing about it, Karen, is that if you do that for about 15 hours or eight hours oh. or so, your hearing changes. And then when you hear it on the speaker, it sounds oh. horrible. It sounds like there's a two inch blanket over the speaker <laughs> because your ears have adapted to the super bright headphones. So I only do that at the yeah. very end. So, you know, in other words, at that point, artistically, I'm done. Right. You know, artistically, it's fine in terms of the elements and, you know, the music is done. This is purely technical because I know once I put those headphones on, I won't be able to hear correctly on the speakers. So that is dangerous, right? Because if I start yes. changing the music in that yes. state, I'll destroy it. Part, yeah, part of the skill yes. also is learning, knowing when to stop, knowing when, you yes. know what? The perfect flaw. That's another good one. Oh, uh, I love Jim that. Story, one. Yeah. So Jim Story released an album called The Perfect Flaw many years ago. Yeah. I love Jim Story. He's one of my favorite acoustic bass new age guys. He's awesome. Mm -hmm. Back from Hearts of Space days, we were on there. And yeah, The Perfect Flaw is, you know, there's this little thing here that could be made a little better, quote unquote. Yeah. But you know what? I'm going to leave it because right. it's, I really love everything it's like there's a magic going on and i'm afraid i'm gonna mess up the whole it's, thing it's human I, you know it wasn't a machine yeah, that lined it yeah, up a little a little humanness right a little yes. something that's you know yeah so definitely that's part of it too it's that, that compassion you know you have compassion with yourself and with the process and say you mm -hmm. know this this is nice it's lovely and also is trees in the forest yeah and when you're in the middle of a project you have no objectivity about it you you don't right. know whether this is your greatest work your average work your worst right. work you really don't know and what's amazed me over 35 years is this is very funny i always tell this to uh, people coming up i say you know some albums that i did in like two weeks have been hugely successful and so popular. And other albums that I labored over, like excruciating, you know, investment of time and money. And you really have to trust 
the universe and spirit and trust the project because when you're working on a project, you really don't know where it fits into your entire career and how successful or unsuccessful the project will be when you're working on it. So you proceed, you walk by faith and not by sight. You walk by faith because as I've seen over 35 years now, you don't want to equate labor with ex expectation, you know, like, oh, because I worked on it so hard that it has to be successful. It's not like that. The universe does what the universe will do. And you have to, right. yes, you have to walk by faith and just trust the process. You know, if, if spirit tells you, I need to work on this longer, I just feel like need, more needs to be done, then definitely do it. But if spirit says, you know what, this is something sweet about the simplicity of this. Let's just go with this. It's interesting that the three albums I released this year, the Spiritual Warrior with Deepak Chopra and Gratitude Joy 2, and then my healing album, they're all actually fairly easy to do in the spectrum of easy to hard, you know, my experience mm -hmm. of making albums but all three of them are doing very well. So I think that's a testament to following the law of attraction because I just went with the flow and did what needed to be done, but I didn't overwork it. And it, the, all three albums are being received very well by the public. So I think uh, you, you just have to trust that, trust the law of attraction. Uh, and of course it depends where you are in your career too. You know, I, it's a lot easier for me to make albums now. The, the technical process is much more transparent to me than it was even five or 10 years ago. So practice makes perfect for sure. Yeah. Do you mostly create your own instrumentals now at this point or depends on the project? Oh, I always have. Yes, oh, I always have. That's amazing. So when you were talking, a few things came up for me, just how the creative process, just so much is a part of the life process. It just seems symbolic of it almost that as you're working and as you discover more, you tweak it here and you change this there, especially when you're talking about the mud settling and then every that layer is clear. And I think we could apply that. So when we're going along and we try to be as clear and calm as possible and listen. And when something comes up, then we address it. And we otherwise we, we keep moving forward. So have you found that, that you've grown through this process? Oh, most definitely. It, that's a great analogy, Karen. It, it really is, you know, the creative process is the life process in life things happen, you know, the baby cries, uh, somebody has a problem, Every there's always something happening. And instead of reacting, oh, you know, throw up your hands, get upset. No, we just respond. We respond calmly and we say, well, what can I do to help? Well, I can rock the baby, I can uh, sing a song, you know. So, and the same thing with the creative process. If something is uh, causing us consternation or difficulty, we don't get upset, but we just look at it calmly and say, well, how should I respond to this? 
And the best response might be, oh, I should take a walk. I should take I should take a walk because my energy is getting confused and unsettled and I I feel unsure and I feel kind of uh, impotent or weak or uh, don't know what to do. And it doesn't seem to be working. So, you know what, let's just shut this thing down and go for a walk. Sometimes going for a walk is or let's just go work out. Let's go do some yoga. Let's meditate or let's take a nap. You know, sometimes that's the best part of the creative process that you just that taking a break because, you know, it's when you're not working on it, you're still working on it. But on a subconscious, etheric level, it, it's like a gestation. You know, you know how people get their best ideas in the shower or sometimes they wake up from a good sleep and it's like, oh, I know what to do about such and such and so and so mm-hmm. because. You know, it's like that old thing when you can't remember the name of something or someone because you keep trying to remember it. Then if you stop thinking about it, it'll pop in your head. And so in production, Mm -hmm. yeah, taking a break is sometimes the most effective part of the process. Uh, That's something I do when I'm finishing an album. Like when I get towards the end, like the last um, six weeks or so, I put it away for like, 10, seven to 10 days. I do not listen to it for over a week. I just forget about it. Yes. Because I'm too, you're at that point, you're too close to it and you can't hear the obvious thing because all you can hear is your obsessive little details, the little details that you're focused on, you know, mm-hmm. for whatever reason. But when you put it aside, then when you come back fresh, you're like, oh, I know what I need to do here. The, the thing I was worried about is not the issue. It's the giant gorilla in the middle of the room that I didn't notice. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> That's like life too, right? <laughs> right, right. It's very much like life. Yeah. Wow. You know, sometimes you're having a problem with someone that you can't seem to connect correctly. And then if you take a break, when you come back, you're like, oh, okay, this, uh, this is easy. I know, I know what to do. I know yeah. what to say. Yeah, so. so exciting. I'm I was really looking forward to learning more about your latest album and the description was about how you're offering this soothing music to help and comfort in this most critical and delicate process that we're all going through. And you said it's what we need most now during this pandemic and always physical, emotional, psychological and spiritual healing. This ambient background music is great for relaxation, meditation, gentle yoga, and body work. And it's just so perfect. It's so it's it's for this time as all of your CDs and music, I'm really excited to expose and, and to invite people to listen. And you also make the most beautiful videos. I recommend everyone to follow you on Instagram. How is that process? The videos that follow the music it's beautiful oh yeah that's a lot of fun because there's uh so much great content available there's a program called fractal architect which uh, is Mm. very inexpensive and i use it on the mac to make these animated uh mandala videos that are really very meditative and beautiful. beautiful yeah yeah it's a lot of fun that we can do this stuff nowadays by ourselves. You know, in the old days, it just wasn't possible. You had to hire someone at great expense and it took forever and, you know, but now, you know, we can make beautiful presentable videos. 
Yeah, just a little bit about the healing that's going on is on a big level, the primary healing that needs to happen and is happening, as my guru Amma says, is the relationship between humanity and mother nature. Because we've been we've been exploiting and destroying our dear, beautiful planet Earth now for oh good over a hundred years in the Industrial Revolution. And now we're starting to see the fruits of that neglect. We have global warming, we have terrible pollution, we have babies with microplastics coming into their milk from their baby bottles, and we have pollution all around the world, even in Antarctica and the North Pole. And we cannot continue this way because we will become extinct. The coronavirus is a message from nature to take better care of each other and of our dear mother nature who does nothing but give, give, give constantly. But what do we give back to mother nature? Pollution, deforestation, destroy all the species. This is the problem. And if we would just move a few steps towards mother nature as a civilization altogether, Mother Nature will move 100, 200 steps towards us. But you know, like when you're a parent, sometimes you have to be strict with your child because they're not listening. And what they're doing is going to hurt themselves. Like when my daughter, you know, she's very physical and she loves to jump and play, but there's certain things she wants to do. I say, Julie, be careful. You're going to hurt your knee or you're going to hurt yourself. I'm sorry, honey, you have to stop doing that because I know If she keeps doing that, she is going to get physically hurt. And that's what the coronavirus really is. It's a wake-up call from our dear mother. Yes. And to all join together with love and hold each other up. And especially during this time, this will come out around the election. And just knowing that we're all being taken care of, no matter how things go, that we can have the faith and just move forward and move forward as we're guided. And you notice that this strong, violent response of division and divisiveness is the petulant child of humanity expressing itself. And that's that's where we're at. You see, humanity is being restrained little by little until we behave differently as a group. And also that we learn to really care for each other. The response should be complete unification. I don't want to expose you to a coronavirus. So of course I'm going to wear a mask and wash my hands. How could I not? Why would I? Because you are me. I am you. If I hurt you, I'm hurting myself. And also the least amongst us, how we treat the least amongst us, the poor, the black and brown population suffers the most from this coronavirus, the poor people suffer the most. And so if we don't care for them, we're not caring for ourselves. This is the lesson. It's all about unity and selfless service and thinking of the greater good. It's really pretty simple. But, you know, so inspired by, you know, most people in the world are trying their best to do the right thing and to stop the spread of the virus and people want to stop global warming, they want to save the environment, and they Mm -hmm. want to have health insurance for poor people, and on and on. 
But, you know, we just have to stay faithful and stay the course and continue to hold that space for dharma and goodness to arise. And I'm very, I'm very optimistic. I feel, I feel that um, we are in the beginning of a beautiful stage of a reawakening of dharma or righteousness, the doing the right thing as a civilization. I feel that very strongly. I can feel it changing right now as we're speaking. And so that gives me great comfort. Mm, very beautiful. I'm thinking of the words gifts, grace, and gratitude. And you are all of those things. I just am so grateful that you share your gifts and give us the gift of your music and yourself and, and peace and the grace that we can all share and, and just being grateful for all that we have. And I noticed that you use the word grace in your titles of, I think, two CDs and song that you've chosen to share with us, The Grace of Healing. I think that's so beautiful. It, it, it's the first track on your CD, Healing, and it sounds like these ethereal angelic choirs. It's just so beautiful. And I was just wondering about your connection with the word grace. Right. Well, grace is a very important concept that there is there are wonderful moments in the sacred scriptures where it says grace is a gift freely given from God. It is not earned. So what that means is we are so loved that God showers down blessings upon us or the goddess showers down blessings upon us regardless of our behavior. And so another saying from scripture, the sun shines on the righteous and the unrighteous alike. In other words, that is how big the love, the true love is. It's not transactional. Grace is pure love, true love, and grace is not transactional. It's not, oh, I will love you and I will bless you if you do the following things for me. One, two, three. And if you don't do those things, then I won't love you anymore. Well, that's not real love. That's just transactional. That's just a business deal. So it's very important to stay connected to unconditional love and the reality of grace. And of course, as Amma says, she says that the more we do our spiritual work and open our hearts, the more the pure grace of God can flow through us because we become a better channel, a better conduit for that perfect love to flow through. It's infinite. The grace and love of God has no measure. It's, it's inconceivably big. And so we need to expand so that that true grace and love can flow through us. And we do that through yoga, prayer, meditation, scriptural reading, satsang, all the different types of spiritual practices that are available to human beings. So as we open our hearts, more grace can flow through us and benefit our beloved neighbors, our brothers and sisters. Then their lives are enriched and they are blessed and they are happier. And so we chant 
Om Loka Samastha Sukhino Bhavantu, may all beings be peaceful and happy. All beings, known and unknown in all the worlds, may they all be peaceful and happy. Mm, that is so beautiful. The grace and the flow of unconditional love, being able to give it and receive it. It's just the key to happiness and healing and feel so inspired and yeah and it it it, um it solves all outer problems because any outer problem you know take any problem you want to list um i'd be happy in my richness and my blessings if i know that all the these other people are suffering what joy is that if i'm if I'm uh, luxuriating at the expense of others, that's not real happiness. And that's why you have rich people that have to take drugs to go to sleep at night because they're so depressed, even though they have millions of dollars, they're completely unhappy because they're out of alignment with Dharma. Dharma leads to contentment. If you do the right behavior, the right actions, you have peace in your heart and you feel okay. Not because you have or don't have things or money that doesn't that doesn't bring happiness what brings happiness is being aligned with dharma being aligned with pure love unconditional love and grace and bliss so you know you are one of the bearers of this light your work you're just like me you're doing the same work you're trying to help and bless and comfort and heal and that's beautiful and uh, so we encourage everyone to do whatever they can do to awaken themselves spiritually and to help help their neighbors. Oh, thank you. Thank you so much. You've shared so many blessings always and and today with us. I, I'm really, really grateful. And also for the song, and the blessings and the peace they'll receive from listening to the grace of healing. Thank Thanks you. very much. Thanks very much, Karen. It's been wonderful oh, uh, chatting with you. Beautiful. And uh, we can do it again sometime. Thank you so much. All right. Blessings and love. Thank you. Namaste. Blessings and love. You.
listening to the Sounds of Healing podcast. Please subscribe to our community as we raise our vibrations and offer support and celebration. To learn more about today's story and guest, and to receive free gifts, please visit KarenOlson.com. That's K-A-R-E-N-O-L-S-O-N, and click on podcast. Until next time, may you have many sound blessings.